Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 49, Opposition in All Things. So today I want to spend some time examining a principle or a law of God's that we know, yet in the thick of things, we may really struggle to reconcile with it. And when this law is overlooked, we develop distorted relationships with God, which can actually cause us a lot of pain, unnecessary pain, because we mischaracterize Him. We don't see His mercy Instead, we view him as harsh and punishing. We don't see his goodness because, frankly, it feels like he's withholding from us. We believe that he has his favorites and there must be something wrong with us because how else can you explain why our lives are filled with so many challenges and hard things? Perhaps we don't believe his promises because we believe we have experienced nothing but pain and unfulfilled promises let alone feel his love, because it is so difficult to feel when we are questioning why do bad things happen to really good people. These mischaracterizations of Father and of our Savior can alter our perspective. We fall for false beliefs. We begin to think, God is displeased with me, and that is why I struggle to hear him. He must not value me because I can't seem to catch a break. I'm keeping all of his commandments and I am trying my best, yet nothing is working out and it is all just so hard. Or because I'm experiencing hardship or obstacles, I must be pursuing the wrong path. And then we lose confidence in our ability to choose and to take action. So what principle or law of God's am I referring to? That there is opposition in all things. Now, I know you know this intellectually, but putting it into practice can be tricky, especially when those strong human emotions of doubt or loss or defeat or discouragement and fear are working so hard against you. And this is the principle that Father Lehi desired his son Jacob to carry around in his heart. And why Jacob? I'm not sure... But as I have thought about that question a little, and I've pondered on what little information has been revealed to us about Jacob up until this point, I wonder if perhaps Lehi was trying to normalize the best that he could, the contrast that his son had experienced in his short number of years here on earth. As a father, I think we can at least be sensitive to the possibility that Lehi did realize that Jacob had been particularly sensitive to the hostile environment of his youth. Remember, he is the firstborn of Lehi's in the day of Lehi's tribulations in the wilderness. And that Lehi acknowledges that Jacob had suffered afflictions and much sorrow because of his brother's rudeness. And also remember that last week, we learned Lehi took time to assure his son that these sufferings 
would not leave Jacob in a deficit, but that God would consecrate his afflictions for his gain. And this gives us reassurance that just because there has been opposition does not mean that you or I will be left out of the magnificence that God has prepared for his children. Also, remember that Lehi consecrates the life of Jacob to be in the service of God. And we know because there is a book later on in the Book of Mormon called Jacob that he will be a holy man and a teacher to his people. And he will do this amongst their adjustments to inhabiting a new land and civilizing it. And he will be a teacher when the people are learning how to apply God's law amongst one another as they get larger and they start to develop a system of governing. And he will follow Nephi and dwell with Nephi when it becomes necessary to separate from Laman and Lemuel. And he will be a support to his people who must seek direction from challenges that surely will arise. And there may have even been some immature family members, like I feel I probably would have been, who believed that once they reached the promised land, then opposition would cease. They had done what they had been required to do to earn their reward. And why should that include opposition still? Jacob will be able to answer that question. Because of his father's counsel, Jacob will be able to teach that it must needs be that there is an opposition in all things, and that without it, righteousness could not be brought to pass, neither wickedness, neither holiness, nor misery, neither good, nor bad. Opposition, believe it or not, is a key element of God's plan. Without it, God would have created for nothing. For nothing. There would be no purpose to his creations. Frankly, we would all be rather useless. What would we be good for? This, Lehi explained, would destroy God's wisdom, his power, his mercy, and his justice. Why? Think about it for a minute. It would be nonsensical to have children with no hope for progression. As a parent, you naturally know this truth. For God to create without progression would be an absurd waste of his power. And how unmerciful and cruel to keep us in a state of ignorance and with no purpose. And how would that be just? And if you removed the characteristic of God's, that he is just, what sort of God would he be? Without justice, there is no need for law. And as Lehi teaches in verse 13, And if ye shall say there is no law, ye shall say there is no sin. If ye shall say there is no sin, ye shall also say there is no righteousness. And if there be no righteousness, there be no happiness. And if there be no righteousness nor happiness, there be no punishment nor mercy. And if these things are not, then there is no God. Sister Scriptorians, do you not see the similarities between Lehi's warnings and the path that our society is taking? The prophet Lehi outlines the consequences of disintegration that the world insists on pursuing. 
And we, not only as scriptorians in the making, but as daughters of God, are blessed with this wisdom and this warning from Father so that we may not be blind to what consequences follow when the children of men try to water down the eternal principles that created them in the first place. This scripture is one of many that gives us clarity in a world of confusion. Because when we get to the point that there is no God, then we are not, neither the earth, for there could have been no creation of things, neither to act nor to be acted upon. Wherefore, all things must vanish away. Poof. All that would be left is nothing. And that is where the philosophies of men will eventually lead them. Now it becomes clear that Lehi is addressing all of his sons when he testifies, There is a God, and he hath created all things, both the heavens and the earth, and all things that in them are, both things to act and things to be acted upon. Why? Why would God create Lehi teaches that it is to bring about his eternal purposes in the end of man. And remember, we know that his purpose is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. But if that is God's purpose, how does opposition aid in that? Doesn't opposition move us farther away from him? Can't it distract us, wear us down, even overcome us? Wouldn't opposition then be an enemy to God's purposes? And an enemy to God sounds scary, doesn't it? It can, if we allow it to. But what Father desires for us is better than treasures of the world. It is better than the smartest man alive. It is far superior than the most powerful and the most sophisticated entities here on earth. It is God's life he wants for us. His abilities, his power, his knowledge, and his love. It is immortality and eternal life. And to qualify to receive such grandness, we must be proved. We must learn to be agents and choose God's way. And in order to even be able to choose, we must be enticed, presented with opposition or contrast. And mortality, well, it's a life of contrasts. Mortality is our classroom, full of the lab work of opposition, allowing us to practice using discernment between right and wrong developing sensitivities to God's way and growing in confidence that His way is the way. It's learning to identify God's way when loud voices are distracting us. It's learning to filter all that out and be conquerors over opposition where it can no longer have an impact on us. To rise above it, if you will, it is to act for ourselves. Lehi gives his sons examples how opposition has always, even from the beginning, been a part of God's plan. 
I love how Lehi gives us a glimpse on how he is still a man operating on faith and seeking after truth. In verse 17, he says, I, Lehi, according to the things which I have read, must needs suppose. Notice, his knowledge isn't a perfect knowledge. Despite all of his dreams and all of his visions, he must still search the scriptures and gain understanding through exercising faith and pondering upon them. He must needs suppose that an angel of God, according to that which is written, had fallen from heaven. Wherefore he became a devil, having sought that which was evil before God. And because he had fallen from heaven and had become miserable forever, he sought also the misery of all mankind. We know that this fallen angel is Lucifer. And even in the pre-existence, there was opposition that you and I had to deal with. And you were required to act for yourself. And you did well. You were able to see clearly God's way. You wanted it. And you chose to stay near him. Lehi explained that even in the beautiful Garden of Eden, which we all tend to think of as a paradise, were two trees that provided opposition. There was the tree of life, and then there was the tree of the forbidden fruit. And opposition came to Adam and Eve. Lucifer provided that because of his desire to make mankind miserable, just like him. He played that part. His way was to be defiant to God. But he ultimately furthered God's plan by providing us the necessary opposition that our growth requires. He tempted Eve to partake of the forbidden fruit, giving her a half-truth that she shall not die, but ye shall be as God, knowing good and evil. And I say half-truth, because partaking of the fruit would bring death to Eve, both physical and spiritual. But it would launch her onto the path of immortality if she acted for herself. Also, partaking of the forbidden fruit would bring to her the opposition that she needed and wasn't getting in the garden. And speaking of the garden, was the garden really a paradise? I'm sure Father in all of his majesty, created a beautiful garden for his son and daughter. But the garden was like a a holding station, if you will. Adam and Eve, they were stagnant there. There was no possibility for progression. They had no purpose. In the garden, they couldn't even appreciate the garden's beauty and all it possessed because there was no comparison to show how spectacular it really was or how well taken care of they really were. Lehi explained to his sons that to remain in the garden, Adam and Eve would have had no children, wherefore they would have remained in a state of innocence, having no joy, for they knew no misery, doing no good, for they knew no sin. And that doesn't sound like a paradise to me. And luckily, God is good, and he allowed opposition to enter the garden. And have you ever considered that? He could have prevented Lucifer from entering. He had already cast him out of heaven. 
he had the power to do so. But he knew in all of his wisdom that this was the path that we must get on. And to be lighthearted about it, it was the necessary rules of the game. It reminds me of what I say to my younger son who is wrestling his older brother. If you're going to play rough, you've got to be tough. And so it is with our ambitions. If we want to be like father, we need to go through the bumps and the turns so that we can become like father. And once Lucifer, miserable Lucifer, entered the garden, he just couldn't help himself. And he tempted Eve and she partook. And Adam did as well. And they were driven out of the garden. And that is where their probation began. Adam fell that men might be, and men are, that they might have joy. The process of coming to earth and having our chance to prove ourselves began to roll forth. Now, with opposition, we are given our chance. With opposition, we can experience joy. What it feels like, what it requires, what happens when we push it away, how it is different from pleasure, how it must be appreciated, and how sometimes how joy can be fleeting in this life, but it will not be in the life to come. We are that we might have joy. We can act for ourselves or we can be acted upon. We can choose liberty and eternal life by following the great mediator who has the power to sanctify all of our oppositional experiences and have them all work together for our good and have them be a part of our holiness. Or we can choose captivity and death, not learning how to deal with opposition, but succumb to it or not strive to cut through it so that we can find God and his ways. This is the misery that the devil offers us. So we know that opposition was a part of God's plan from the beginning, necessary even, to set us onto the path back to him, enabling us to develop just like he hopes we will. And we can see that in order to understand joy, we must have an understanding of sorrow or misery so that we can choose and stand up for joy. But how does this work in our daily lives on an hour-by-hour basis? I encourage you to get real with opposition, to even get comfortable with it, and not allow it to cause you to spin out. Burke Castillo, who's a life coach that I listen to, she explains it this way, and she's not a member of the church, and so that's why I I enjoy that she's made this observation in life. That there is opposition in all things, and that means that balancing it out, you're looking at 50% good and 50% opposition. Now, your life might not experience on a daily basis the 50-50 ratio, but I'm telling you, you're not weird if you do. I think some individuals are really good at giving more space and attention to the good 50%, and others tend to give more attention to the oppositional 50%. But guess what? You can choose what you want to pay more attention to. Keep in mind, it is okay to see the hard. And it is okay to see the amazing. You're supposed to. I think resistance to see either creates schisms in us. Because we came here to experience all of it. 
to learn how to feel all of it, to learn how to manage within it, and what to do despite it, just like God. What kind of God would he be if he didn't understand hard, if he didn't recognize pain? No, he knows that. He's experienced it. He's overcome it. And he's inviting us to do the same. Because what would he be like if he hadn't overcome opposition? I think Lucifer taking away a third of his children would have shaken him and left him without confidence and, well, not godlike. Instead, Father, because he is above opposition, was no longer affected by it. And that is where we are striving to get to. And within each of us, we have been given the ability to overcome opposition. We are designed to do so. We have been given the light of Christ to help us recognize truth. We've been given these bodies to learn how to manage and experience opposition, to see it, to feel it, to think it, and then to choose what to do with it. Some try to squash out opposition, to resist it. They don't feel comfortable feeling sadness or anger or loss or resistance or any of those other feelings. They're not fun to feel. But remember, many of your ahas came from experiencing that 50% of opposition and then choosing God. It's where you feel alive and vibrant. It's where you feel how powerful you really are when you reject opposition and you walk away from it, or you deal with it head on, and you can move through it. It's where you remind yourself of what true happiness and peace is, and then you steer towards that. President Thomas S. Monson said, Our mortal life, however, was never meant to be easy or consistently pleasant. Our Heavenly Father knows that we learn and grow and become refined through hard challenges heartbreaking sorrows, and difficult choices. Each one of us experienced dark days when our loved ones pass away, painful times when our health is lost, feelings of being forsaken when those we love seem to have abandoned us. These and other trials present us with a real test of our ability to endure. Close quote. Doesn't that counsel give you a little chance to breathe. There isn't anything wrong with you. You aren't doing life wrong. In fact, you may be doing things very, very right. You see the opposition. You feel it. You're learning to work through it. You're doing so good at it. You don't need to numb out, to beat yourself up, to curse God, or feel you are forsaken by him. Sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves and others to be happy. You're living the plan of happiness for Pete's sakes. But really, what all that is, is that we are just uncomfortable with ours or their unhappiness. And perhaps it even stirs up feelings within us that we just don't know how to experience. And so we push it away and try and talk people into feeling happy. Of course, (laughs) when given the option, get on the path that leads to happiness. But along the path to happiness, there is going to be opposition. That's how you're going to know you've reached happiness in the first place. You must experience the bitter 
in order to be able to know the sweet. That is how you will appreciate it and keep coming back to it. Now, don't get me wrong. I prefer smooth sailing and sunshine in contrast to choppy waters and dark skies. But I recognize that my learning isn't exactly increasing when I'm basking in the sun. Honestly, it's more of a feeling like I'm coasting. And truly, that feels so great to my mortal body. (laughs) My brain doesn't have to think too deeply. It easily sees the blessings all around me. There are no feelings of despair to overcome. It is a joy. But it is a joy that can easily slip into a pleasure ride. It can also be a time when I'm not really developing depth, but I'm kind of remaining, well, rather shallow. However, when I'm experiencing opposition, game on. I'm on call. I'm alert. I'm practicing my faith. My brain is processing, finding meaning, discerning between options and choosing. Choosing between what thoughts to believe, choosing between self-defeat or self-empowerment, choosing between feelings of hope or despair, choosing to see my blessings or live in scarcity, and then choosing to act the best way that I know how. And hopefully it's for the good because I may not have sorted all of it out, but I act. And despite my imperfections, I take action in faith always striving to face my goal on becoming like my savior, which I don't know about you all. Sometimes I hit the mark and sometimes I'm just a hot mess. However, it's in those moments while I'm still being a warrior, a warrior who pauses and seeks counsel from the supreme creator. That is when I truly learn. (laughs) It is in these moments that I build muscle in my war on opposition. I choose, and I choose, and I choose again Him. It's sacred. It's how experience is gained. And what I'm trying to say is that it is part of our mortal experience to experience the highs and the lows, the good and the bad, the doubt and the faith, the fear and the trust, to become comfortable with it all, to get to that point that it doesn't crush us, that we are conquerors over it that we can be one day supreme, just like our Father. Sometimes we need to be ignorant to get to enlightenment. We need to feel spiritually hungry in order to get spiritually fed. And we need to feel how miserable empty is so that we can act for ourselves to get full. I can't appreciate the peace of the temple without experiencing the chaos of the world. I won't recognize the beauty of purity without the comparison of the filth of sin. I wouldn't crave the acceptance of my Savior without having experienced rejection from others, even loved ones a time or two. There are certain attributes that we want to acquire that don't come without experiencing opposition. Most notably, they are faith, hope, and charity and these attributes require testing and adversity and and pushback in order to solidify within us and take root otherwise they can be fleeting at best opposition helps us to develop powerful faith it helps us to love deeper 
Opposition gives us the opportunity to soften our hearts, the cause to become humble, to obtain patience, and to see the glory of God's plan. So if you are experiencing opposition, don't be discouraged. Don't you give up. Please don't assume that there is anything wrong with you. If you're on the wrong path, he'll tell you. Trust in God and his wisdom. We don't know what opposition our righteous desires require in order to come to fruition. I, as a mother, I desire my children to have a testimony and to love God. But we encounter such opposition every Sunday to get to church. And it's always the shoes, ladies. Am I right? (laughs) But if this is you, don't throw in the towel. Patterns are being established that are made of the threads of your, of your perseverance. God will sanctify your efforts eventually. We also don't know the opposition which is attached to the spiritual gifts that we received. It makes sense, though, don't you think? That to be given a gift from God, that is where the adversary would wish to be, well, adversarial. Or what about our personal way of communicating with God? For me, I have realized that my mind is bombarded with thoughts and there is a sifting out process of oppositional thoughts that I must do in order to clear my mind for revelation. There isn't anything wrong with me or with you. It's just our opportunity to act for ourselves. And I think that once we reconcile ourselves to accept that opposition is an intentional part of God's plan, then we won't feel so threatened by it, so fearful of it, or even so hurt by it. And I know that there is true gut-wrenching pain that opposition can bring. The mortal in me would desire to take all of that away from you so that you don't have to experience any of it. But that, in the long run, would be unmerciful of me lacking wisdom. How often I long for the stagnant experience of the Garden of Eden, but that would be cruel in the long run. We must trust in God's ways, and it is times like these that the scripture that His ways are not our ways is so, so real. Remember, God's wisdom is to take your experience, opposition and all, and to see what you choose and desire and then he will sanctify it for your gain. Let him. Sister Scriptorians, there is opposition in all things. Can you accept that? Can you see the wisdom in it? Can you allow it? Can you feel the power you have when you act for yourself despite it? Can you be grateful for it? Can you see how you're becoming stronger because of it? If God isn't worried about it, should you be? Choose the great mediator and all of the opposition you're experiencing will be for your gain. Have a good day.